0: you have this very, like, you know, shocking moment for uh, Christians where they're like, what? How yeah. is that possible? Yeah. Uh, he was historically crucified in front of the eyes of all people. Yeah. Um, what are you talking about, that he wasn't crucified?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a problem. It's a there, very big problem. There's a lot of witnesses. There's a lot of writings about it.
0: All right, thank you for joining me, Tiffany.
1: Thank you so much for having me here.
0: Today we're going to talk about a very controversial topic, and that is the idea of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Okay. Or the crucifixion of the Messiah. And uh, we're going to look at how the Jews view this event, how the Christians do, and how the Muslims do. Okay. Uh the crucifixion of Jesus Christ is so important that perhaps uh, it is the single um most important factor in the disagreement between the three religions. Like I can't think of a a a an event or a concept in judaism christianity and islam that all three of them disagree around more than the crucifixion of christ it is the event that separates uh, the three from one another it's one of those topics that the three of them cannot get along or cannot come to the table and agree uh, you know on one narrative Uh, the jews were waiting Uh, for a messiah to come they were being occupied by the romans at the time the Mm -hmm. king of the jews that was over them um king herod he was seen as a an unrighteous king an illegitimate king and a king who was really a pawn to the authorities and a king that was relishing in his own pleasures and enjoying the world and didn't have the uh, interests of the children of Israel uh, in mind. And so the Jewish prophets, they'd all spoke about the coming of this Messiah. He was supposed to come. He's supposed to rule from Jerusalem. He's supposed to uh, be like the second coming of of David or a Mosaic-type character who would save the Israelites from the misery that they're in and defeat the other nations and establish a divine just state that is so perfect that the lion uh, will play with the lamb and and uh, people will get along and there will be no poverty and, and uh, even his justice will extend to the rest of the world, not just uh, to uh, Jerusalem and the Jews. And so... Jesus Christ comes. Peace be upon him. And this controversial character um, appears, and the narratives surrounding uh, Jesus differs greatly from one tradition to another. Whether it was the Jews or the Christians or the or the Muslims. Yes. Uh, for the Muslims, uh, Jesus uh, already. Displays a miracle at birth, which is speaking from the cradle. Yes. For most mainstream Muslims and Christians, they consider that the very birth of Jesus itself uh, comes in a miraculous way. Yes. And that is that uh, he's born of a virgin, that his mother Mary had never been with a man, and suddenly she becomes pregnant. And the only uh, Jesus is kind of like the only person, with the exception of Adam, that uh, is born without having uh, one of his parents, uh, without being yes. born of a father, right? Yeah. And and so that's, that's a, a, a quite mysterious, unique uh, backdrop or backstory for Jesus, but at the same time, the Israelites uh, that are around, they don't believe it. And the Quranic narrative shows that they are uh, very fast to accuse Mary of having done something bad. Um, they are saying, "Hey, your your father was not like this. He was not an evil man. How did you turn out to be like this, fornicating?" And uh, that's when pretty much the baby speaks from the cradle in order. Um, to, uh, you know, establish the proof upon the people. And he says, you know, that I'm, you know, I'm a messenger of God. And, and uh, yeah, declares that his mother's innocent. Yeah. And yet the Jews still don't believe in Jesus. And many, many years go by. And uh, Mary becomes a follower of a particular prophet who appears in the area and And that prophet is not widely recognized by all of the Jews uh he's only recognized uh by some Jews and he's considered uh, really at the time to be kind of like a cult leader. He starts gaining this this following, but he's not recognized by the rabbis and he's also related to Mary and to yeah. Jesus uh what's their relation
1: uh it's her cousin's son
0: yeah, and of course we're speaking of John John the Baptist, the Baptist yeah. Yeah, so there's only a six-month difference in age between John the Baptist and between Jesus. Yeah. And Mary becomes a follower uh, of John. Yeah. And uh, as as did many of the people uh, during that time, uh, which were mainly like the the less fortunate, the poor, uh, the uneducated. Uh, all of these people, they, they became followers of, of John.
1: Yeah.
0: And... So then, John at some point he baptizes Jesus Christ. Although the event of the baptism itself is a, an extremely controversial one, and you know, we we have to talk about this separately in an episode when we're going to discuss to discuss the the Mendean religion, the, mm-hmm. the religion of the followers of of John the Baptist, because they have scriptures. And, and in, in which they narrate the event of the baptism of Jesus in, in a much different way than uh, uh, the Gospels in the Bible do. And according to their narrative, basically, uh, Jesus walks up to be baptized after standing in line. And uh, John the Baptist does not want to baptize him. He's refusing uh, to baptize him at first, and he's basically calling him a false messiah. So in their narrative, John looks at Jesus. He recognizes that this is the guy who's making false claims. He doesn't want to baptize him. Um, And then the Holy Spirit, or God, informs uh, John to go ahead and do so, uh, that he has plans, and... uh, and so John baptizes Jesus reluctantly, and Jesus uh, ends up claiming to be the Messiah, and it's something that John and his followers oppose. But that's for a whole different story. And the reason why I mention it is because now this this character Jesus and his appointment and his crucifixion becomes a central... Um, Point that not only the Christians and the Jews and the Muslims disagree on, but also the Mandaeans, the followers of uh, John the Baptist.
1: Okay, very interesting. Uh, that's very interesting.
0: And and yeah, and and and, and so the story continues, and Jesus uh, is led immediately after the baptism. It says the Gospels say by the Holy Spirit into. Uh, the wilderness where he meets Satan okay. and he's tempted uh, three times, all which he succeeds in in, in passing these temptations. Yes. And his dawah goes on for three years
1: yeah.
0: until uh, he accomplishes and does such wondrous things. Uh, a whole variety of miracles take place. Um, according to the Bible, he's curing the leper, yeah. he's, he's healing and making the blind see, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. He's uh, making people who have lame arms, uh, their arms are fully functioning and, and healed. Yeah. Um, he demons. is walking on water. Yes. I'm sorry?
1: I was, I was saying he casts out demons. He's, he's casting out this-
0: demons. He's performing all kinds of yes. exorcisms. Uh, he's walking on water. He's turning water into wine. Uh, he, his miracle list goes on and on until it culminates into him actually bringing back somebody from the dead. He resurrects a person. And it's important, I think, to point uh, because the resurrection of, of Lazarus, is a resurrection of the spirit and of the body of Lazarus. And that's what kind of uh, sets up the argument and the strong held belief that Christians have that Jesus's resurrection would have been in the same way as his resurrection of Lazarus. Because, you know, if he was able to raise somebody else from the dead, surely he would be able to raise his own self. And when he did do it with Lazarus, Mm -hmm. uh, he did it, uh, with the flesh too, so yeah. why wouldn't he do it uh, with the flesh or with his own self? Yeah,
1: true. And I think in that case, you know, he had been dead three days, so they draw this parallel for, from the story. Yeah. He had been dead already three days just so that uh, he could show like, that it's a great miracle he let him.
0: Yeah, so that's an important point that you know, and and just to clarify that more for uh, our viewers that may not be familiar with with the the, the uh, biblical story of the resurrection of Lazarus because they come maybe from a different background. Uh, yeah, so Lazarus dies; uh, he's he's in the grave for three days, and Jesus resurrects him. Yes, and the resurrection of Jesus. According to the Gospels as well, it takes place three days yeah, after, after his crucifixion, yeah. and so uh, this is kind of like one of those "aha, wow!" Obviously, uh, what happened over here also took place over here, and Jesus did it right before his crucifixion with Lazarus in order to show us that he would do it again. Yeah. Okay. And the miracles of Jesus, there's also other miracles that are not mentioned uh, in the Gospels, that are mentioned in the Quran, uh, which speak about the fact that Jesus, uh, for example, he created uh, birds out of clay. This is uh, absent in the Gospels um and that he told people what it was that they stored in their houses or what it was that they ate he was able to um tell people about these things so he could kind of see through walls or he had a he had an ability to uh, to uh, psychically know things Okay. right so that is in short the view of jesus and the narrative from Christianity and from Islam. And and in Islam, Jesus is an extremely beloved, revered, holy uh, person who comes second to no one except for Muhammad And even there's a whole chapter uh, in the Quran uh, that's named after the mother of Jesus, Mary, Surah Maryam. Yeah. Uh, but there's no chapter in the Qur'an, for example, that's named after the mother of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi Uh so, so there's this extreme affection that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi had for Jesus. Uh, he named Jesus in the narrations as being the closest prophet to him. Uh, he calls him his brother. And uh, and there's obviously this connection that takes place, whereby Muhammad and his family, uh, peace be upon them, they they narrate that in the end times, you know, Jesus he comes back and. Uh, he prays behind Imam Mahdi s-salam yes, yeah. Imam Mahdi uh, basically tells Jesus, "Please lead us in prayer." And yes. Jesus, you know, refuses to and kind of says, "It's your time, you know, and I'm here to support you." And this is uh, this is like this best friendship that's taking place between uh, Jesus and between uh, the Mahdi from the family of Muhammad sallallahu yeah.
1: yeah, this is a very is a very interesting story. And it's interesting that they share this belief that Jesus will return in, in the end times. I mean, there's a lot of common ground, actually, between Christianity and Islam when it comes to, to Jesus. But, like, of course, there's very big controversial differences.
0: Yeah, and the controversial differences really have to do with how, what they perceive the role of Jesus to be. So uh, the Muslims, they fully accept Jesus as a prophet. Um, and they accept him as an ulil azm prophet, and they accept him as the best prophet after Muhammad And But they don't accept him as God. Like, they don't worship him. They don't believe that God can come as a human being. Yeah. Uh, as to where, so the the Muslims are like the Jews in that sense. Yeah. Uh, their faith does not allow them to accept that God would manifest as a human being in this world or uh, be in the body of a human being or anything like that. This is not acceptable for mainstream Islam and for Judaism. And they they consider that to be polytheism or shirk. And that is why, um, you know, oddly enough, even though they're constantly fighting with each other, Jews and Muslims, the Jews, they consider the Muslims uh, to be closer to them than the Christians. Uh, it's, It's odd because... They, they. When you, when you look at what most of the Jews state, they consider that, and and a lot of them even consider Muhammad sallallahu either to be a true prophet. But they consider, really? Yeah, they do. And if you, if you look at their speeches, uh, many of the rabbis have stated this, and it's in their writings as well throughout the centuries. The Jews, they state that uh, Ismail. Ishmael was covered underneath the covenant with God. He's part of that Abrahamic covenant. Okay? okay? But he was he was he was non-Israeli because he yeah. Ishmael is the brother of Isaac, yes. right? And the Israelites that come from Jacob who's the son of Isaac. Yes. So they believe that God had this Abrahamic covenant, mm-hmm. right, which engulfed, which encompassed both uh, the lineage of Isaac and the lineage of Ishmael, right? Okay. But then that he had a more special covenant yes. later on with Moses that was exclusive to the Israelites. Okay. And that even from the beginning that God had preferred and said that well my special covenant will be through yeah, exactly. Israel through Jacob but still Ishmael gets um gets circumcised he's still part of the covenant that's also very clear. So they consider that that uh, not all the rabbis but but many of them consider that Muhammad was a true prophet, but he was not a prophet that was sent to Israel. So mm-hmm. he was a non-Israelite okay. prophet. So whatever it is that he said was good, but it's pertaining to the non-Israelites, it's not Wajib, it's not uh, obligatory for any israelite to abide by the jurisprudence of muhammad because it's a it's a less perfect jurisprudence but it's a jurisprudence for those non-israelite people right yes yeah okay. but they believe that both of them are 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 the the, the arabs German. and the jews the muslims and the jews that they're monotheists and most of the jews recognize that they are worshiping the same god as the muslims are worshiping
1: okay I've heard even Christians ad- acknowledge that there's there's sort of a connection between Judaism and Islam like there's there's actually like more things in common between these two faiths strangely than Christianity which is the link between them but yeah
0: so so then so then but 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 Muslims they believe in the legitimacy of Jesus as a prophet yeah and this is where the other Jews that don't recognize islam as, as or muhammad sallallahu alaihi a legitimate prophet it's also because of christ because they say well we can accept that muhammad was a prophet to the gentiles okay. right or not gentiles but actually the the okay. the arabs the ishmaelites but we cannot accept that jesus was a prophet or a messiah and so uh, muhammad legit- uh, legitimizing Jesus causes very big problems in the acceptance of Islam as a legitimate religion for the Ishmaelites in the opinion of many of the uh, uh, Jews, right? So it becomes this controversial character once again. Okay. Why? Because the Jews, they consider that Jesus did not fulfill anything of Of the things that were promised that the messiah should have done and uh, they consider that his death in itself was a punishment for being a false claimant and we have narrations in islam that basically state whoever claims the will right but is not the companion of that god will nobody can claim it without god um, basically cutting off their life if they're a false claimant yeah and And so they have narrations that was kind of of the the same sort. And so when Jesus came and he claimed to be the Messiah, and he didn't do the things that the Messiah was supposed to do, and then he was arrested and crucified, it was seen as the ultimate humiliation for this false prophet.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, when you think about it, at the time... Uh, most of the world was not uh, believers in Jesus Christ. Like how, how it is today, the two most dominant religions believe in Jesus. But back then, Jesus was just a guy who had just claimed and th- only three years had passed and then he was killed and he didn't do anything that he was supposed to do according to uh, their belief and all these prophecies and about their the Messiah and exactly. Their traditions. Exactly. So all these prophets have been saying the Messiah is going to do all these things and then he comes doesn't do it and then he's killed and they have these narrations saying that that's basically a sign of a false claimant that i mean what a confusing situation
0: it's an extremely confusing uh, situation and so then the followers of jesus after his crucifixion they they propagate the faith right and it kind of becomes this this religion that nobody is convinced by uh, who's israelite there's no israelites i mean there's very few Right, with the exception of the disciples and a few of the faithful people that were following Jesus um, at the time, nobody uh, from Israel is accepting that Jesus was the Messiah. But non-Jews are accepting it all over Rome, all over Europe, in uh, other places. Uh, they're converting to Christianity and accepting this idea that Jesus was the Savior. Uh, that was crucified and so it becomes kind of like in the eyes of Jews a religion for the Gentiles okay yeah. right and the Jews consider that the Gentiles were outside of the Abrahamic covenant yeah. unlike the Muslims right mm-hmm. unlike the children of Ishmael okay and so that's why you have uh really the Jews are unable because they consider it to be polytheism this worship of Jesus they it's not allowed for them to pray inside of a church, and it's not allowed. But it is allowed for them to pray inside of a masjid or a mosque. Wow! Yeah,
1: I didn't know that. You
0: didn't know that? No. Yeah, there's. Uh, you can actually. It's a. It's. You can find also many videos of this online, where where you'll see uh, Jewish people praying in masjids or they're talking about this thing. It is allowed, but it's not allowed uh, over there because they're worshiping somebody. Other than God. And it's sad because you have Christianity and the Christians, they're viewing themselves as uh, people that have nothing to do with Islam. Even though the Muslims share more in common with them uh, than the Jews do because of this uh, idea of the acceptance of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, but they see themselves as more of a a sect of Judaism they right? do yeah, yeah for
1: sure I mean I, just a personal story I the the uh, Catholic Church that I was going to as a child was right next to a synagogue and the Easter Mass the mass on Easter Sunday was actually held in the synagogue for some reason uh, it was like some sort of relationship what they had but it's interesting that it wouldn't have been allowed that they go inside the church yeah. It just shows that these uh, these two religions are viewing each other quite differently because the Christians see the Jews as their relatives, but exactly. the Jews obviously don't reciprocate.
0: Yeah, the Jews cannot accept that Jesus is anything. They mm. don't accept him as God. They don't accept him as a prophet. They don't accept him as a Messiah. They don't accept him as, as even a good person. And they have many narrations uh, and writings where Jews uh, from after the time of Jesus had uh, written about. I mean, obviously they condemned him in his own life to be killed. I mean, so that's how much um, they, the establishment of rabbis, had hated him. Mm-hmm. And then after that, they uh, there's many writings where they talk about how Jesus was an illegitimate offspring of a Roman uh, soldier. Um, they made accusations of him like that. There's writings where they say that Jesus, uh, basically, um resides in the lowest parts of hellfire uh, where he's bathing in feces and, and, and eating these things. And they have very graphic writings that are extremely uh, heretical and disrespectful to uh, the great prophet that uh, Jesus, peace be upon him, was. That's horrible. It is horrible. So then we have the Christians who are holding tightly uh, to the fact that Jesus is Messiah. And not just that he's Messiah, but that he is God. They can't accept that he's a prophet. They consider him to be something which is much, much greater uh, than a prophet. And then you have the Muslims who cannot accept that he's God and cannot accept that Jesus is a bad person. Uh, but they accept that he is a prophet. And they use actually some evidence to back up their claim uh, that he is a prophet. And that's uh, the scripture in the scripture in the, in the New Testament where uh, basically Jesus uh, states that there's no prophet that's accepted yeah, in, his in his hometown, hometown right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to kind of in reference to his own self. So, so they say, how could Jesus say that? Uh, unless he was claiming to be a prophet, it then it makes sense.
1: Yeah, it's true. This does definitely exist. And there are other references to people uh, saying that he was a prophet, like the people at the time were referring to him as a prophet as well.
0: But this is more significant but, yeah. because it's him speaking yeah, about Yeah, he's
1: saying no prophet is welcome in his home, hometown, and it, he's talking about himself. It's true. It's undeniable that he was speaking about himself in that way.
0: How does the church explain this or, or how did you understand this growing up? Did you ever ask about it?
1: I, it was one of those verses that I just glossed over. And then later, uh, you know, I discovered that it, it it didn't really make sense. Why would he refer to himself as a prophet and therefore kind of mislead people if he was really claiming to be something else?
0: Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, the crucifixion then event happens, and just as the Jews and the Christians and the Muslims disagreed about Jesus um, as a character, as a mission, as as a missionary, as a, as a prophet, as a as a Messiah during his life, uh, they disagree uh, even more in regards to his death. And this is where it gets really interesting, right? So you have uh, the Jews; they're viewing his crucifixion as a punishment and as a proof that he is false. Uh, You have the Christians who are viewing his crucifixion as a fulfillment of scripture. And they see his crucifixion as the ultimate act of saving all mankind. And they draw many, many parallels between this event of the crucifixion and other things that took place in the Bible, in the Old Testament, uh, and other incidents that were committed by the prophets and the messengers. Like, for example, um, you have uh, Moses in a particular event. There's these uh, serpents that are attacking the Israelites, and, and many of them are getting bitten by them, and they're being poisoned. They're dying, and so they're Wailing, they're crying, they're asking Moses to help them out. Uh, Moses, in order to cure them, what he does is he takes a, a he makes a statue of a bronze uh, staff and, uh, and, a, and a serpent that's hanging on there. And he tells the Israelites that whoever lays eyes upon the statue is going to be healed. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then you have in the in the New Testament, Jesus making a reference to this event. And he says that just as the serpent was placed on 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 the the staff for all that so that all that lays, lay eyes on him may be healed, so as such, you know, is the is the must the Son of Man be raised you know, in order that all that may lay eyes on him be healed. Okay. Okay? So then they say, wow, this is a very clear reference that Jesus, okay, must be crucified, and all those who believe in his crucifixion uh, are saved in the same way that, well, it's happened before. Why couldn't it happen with Jesus? It happened with the statue, with with Moses and the, the Israelites in the wilderness. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm sure you're familiar with with other uh, parallels and references uh, why, or, you know, obviously there's the suffering of the servant yeah, in, in Isaiah, Isaiah which, yeah. Yeah, which they consider mm-hmm. to be, you know, he was pierced, uh, pierced for, for, iniquities, for their inequities. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah the, this one is, I think, one of the most uh, cited ones, saying this is clearly about Jesus, uh, pierced for our inequities. It basically says that it has to happen. There has to be this suffering servant character who has to take the sins bear the sins um of the people and he he will be their transgressions will be forgiven because of his sacrifice uh but there's there's things in this chapter which of course uh don't exactly fit the narrative of jesus so yeah because
0: it's talking it's talking about um, the suffering that the servant must go through. But then it's also talking about the establishment of a state and the defeating of the enemies and all these uh, other things that are were not fulfilled by Jesus. And so the, the Jews say, mm, yeah. don't match. You can't just cut and and, and It's like, and cherry paste, picking, uh, right? like yeah. yeah, cherry pick uh, certain parts or verses. Of the Old Testament, in order that it you know fits on on Jesus, uh, the Christians say, "Look, who else could it be? Jesus was pierced yes. for our iniquities." Here it's saying that this suffering servant would be pierced. It's so clear yes. that it's talking about Jesus. And uh, for the Muslims, they don't really comment that much on the Isaiah because for them it's not important uh, the Torah or the Bible so much because they believe it to be uh, filled with corruptions. Um, but the ones that do comment on it uh, would most likely, and, and most of them do consider it to be talking actually about uh, either the second coming of Christ or talking about really uh, a whole different uh, figure altogether, which is the Mahdi uh, from Islam. Okay. Okay? Okay. So, yeah. So the, the, Jew, the Christians, they consider that the crucifixion of Jesus that this is the way that the Messiah brings justice to the whole world. Yeah. Through being able to cancel out the original sin of Adam. Yeah. Adam in Judaism and in Christianity, he eats from the tree and all of his children inherit death, inherit Uh, death and and this sin from him yeah and jesus comes to cancel that out to give them uh, the ability to enjoy life in the hereafter everlasting life right yeah the only thing that they have to do is to accept this sacrifice uh, of jesus and the idea Of God having accepting sacrifice in exchange for sin is this theme that you see all throughout uh, the Old Testament, where over and over again God demands these sacrifices from the Israelites, whether it's uh, it's cows or sheep or goats or or oxen, in order to, uh, and even originally from uh, from Abel, right? Uh, in exchange for you know purifying the people from their sins, or uh, you know that the doats may yeah. uh, be accepted, uh, but the Jews say, but but that's not really fair because because one thing that the prophets were extremely opposed to was human sacrifice, yes, and that's true. against the law. So what you guys are talking about here, it doesn't fit anyway because Jesus, um, you know, is a human sacrifice in 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 that in that. Event.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a fair, it's a valid point. Obviously, the concept of atonement is very much a part of Judaism and sacrifice for for the forgiveness of sins, but it's never human. And we, there are many stories where the human sacrifice was actually Baal. It was like the, it, it was not God that no, not demanded good. such a thing. Except
0: and that the Christians will come back and say, oh, but what about Isaac and the binding of Isaac? You know, there's a time where God had demanded Uh, you know, from Abraham to offer his son, and, you know, God loves us more than Abraham does, and this was kind of like a, a precursor. It was a way that God was showing us that, hey, look, you see what Abraham was going to do? You know, I'm going to do this in the future with my son. You know, because God is obviously better than Abraham. Abraham, he didn't go through with it. It was changed at the last minute. God had mercy on him. Yeah. Uh, but but God would do this for us. Okay. Okay? Okay. So okay. it's like differing opinions, and it's been a debate that's ongoing between Christians and Jews for 2,000 years, and they haven't reached uh, a solution or an agreement uh, upon it uh, but i just wanted to kind of highlight uh, uh you know the certain parts of the understanding that christians had uh, regarding the crucifixion so that i could show how vast of a difference uh, in opinion there is between the jews and the christians yeah. now when you come to the muslims Tiffany, uh, it's it's extremely interesting because they now they believe in in jesus
1: yeah
0: and they accept him yeah. as a prophet
1: And the Messiah too. And
0: the Messiah. And so they're on the same page, really, as the Christians, with the exception that the Christians consider him to be God, and they don't. Um, Until we come to the event of the crucifixion, the Muslims don't believe that Jesus was crucified. Yeah. And this is where you have this very, like, you know, shocking moment for uh, Christians where they're like, what? How is that possible? Uh, He was historically crucified in front of the eyes of all people. Um, What are you talking about that he wasn't crucified?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a problem. It's a very big problem. There's a lot of witnesses. There's a lot of writings about it. Um, And there's no explanation as to how it was that he wasn't crucified Right? It's just this very mysterious statement that they just thought they did. it just yeah, so appeared. The, well that they the verse did.
0: the verse in the Quran says, you know, basically that the Jews state, Verily we've killed Jesus, the son of Mary. You know, so it's like the Jews are boasting in the Quran in this verse, Verily we killed Jesus the Son of Mary. As as to say, like, how could he be the Messiah? Then we killed him. Yeah. And so the verse continues in the Quran in response to the Jews uh, to tell them, but they haven't killed him, yeah. nor did they crucify him, but it was made to look so. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. And that's it. <laughs> and that's it. There's no uh, further explanation. Yeah, but the verse
0: know? is mainly but in defense of Jesus yeah, against the Jews. Yeah,
1: that's right? actually it's it, it, important. It's as if the, 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 the
0: verse is saying to the Jews, like, hey, don't get, too, uh, don't get too riled up. Don't get too excited. You guys think that you, you killed them, but actually God saved them in the end. Now, you guys didn't have the authority to kill him.
1: Well, I mean, that's, that statement kind of gives me some goosebumps because... Uh, it, it's amazing like the defense of jesus like that they would come and attack and say like we we killed jesus the messiah and then it's actually no that you didn't do what you thought you did but but still the mystery continues i mean uh, how how is it that it was made to appear that way and people really thought and as we we said there's many eyewitness accounts and people were there and they witnessed jesus who they knew up on the cross.
0: So so then there's there's interesting theories uh, on this because the explanation is not given in the Quran. But when you look at what the scholars uh, of Islam have said or you draw upon the traditions of Muhammad and the family of Muhammad, uh, you'll find uh, that there's uh, different explanations for what happened. One of the explanations now is that actually uh, it was a punishment on Judas Iscariot. So the explanation is is that Judas betrays Jesus, sells him out to the Jews and to the the Romans. Mm -hmm. And the punishment for that is that basically after the kiss or at some point, um, the switch happens. Jesus looks like Judas and manages to escape. And Judas looks like Jesus and gets arrested and crucified.
1: Okay, so it's some sort of transfiguration of their bodies that happens. Yeah, like
0: a switch takes place between them okay. or their souls switch from body to body. Okay. And the bad guy in the end is the one who gets crucified as a punishment. Okay. And and this is a widely held belief by many Muslims. But it's a little bit problematic in the sense that, you know, uh Jesus, after being betrayed, all the way until the very end uh, of the moment where uh, the moments of the crucifixion itself, where he, he passes, um, he goes as a lamb, like he's very obedient. There's no fighting. There's no... Uh, record of him denying and saying guys I'm not Jesus help you know uh, I'm I'm actually Judas what are you doing you yeah. got the wrong person or, yeah. or something like this yeah. that you would expect you
1: imagine that you would imagine to
0: take place yeah. but actually you find that he's he's speaking very wisely yeah. and he's saying things that it's impossible for it to be Judas really that that's uh you know that's he speaks like
1: jesus things. i mean yes. he, even
0: at the very moment at the very final moment where he says you know into your hands i release my spirit uh um this could not have been words that were spoken by judas iscariot and you also have uh in the gospels uh the narration uh, the 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 basically the narration that states that Judas hung
1: himself. Yes. Right. That was how he that's how his life ended. So would it make sense that it would be Jesus actually as Judas who did that? Right? Of course not. Yeah. So
0: So okay. that that's a widely held theory, but it but it's basically popular because because the Muslims uh, for the most part are ignorant of the New Testament. They don't read it at all. They consider it to be almost haram to read it because it's um, full of corruptions. Um, so, so that's one explanation of of what happened. Another explanation, which is uh, very less popular, although it's been mentioned uh, recently, especially by people like uh, Sheikh Imran Hussein, for example, uh, he stated that uh, recently that that the the event took place in the sense that the soul of Jesus basically was taken out of his body before the crucifixion. Mm-hmm. Jesus is crucified after the crucifixion, and Jesus' soul goes back into his body. Okay. Do you understand?
1: Yes, okay, I understand.
0: So then so then, for Imran Hussain and for people who believe in this theory, um, it makes sense because then the other... Events that take place in the Bible, such as Jesus coming back to his disciples and yeah. showing off his crucifixion marks, uh, it makes sense because because Jesus is uh, uh, his soul is back in his body. Yeah. Okay. And the only difference is that during that hour of suffering, uh, Jesus' soul was not in the body.
1: Okay. Okay, it's an interesting theory. It is
0: an interesting theory, but it also is problematic because because then it's like well, when did the soul come out of the body because uh, according to the he gospels even speaking. at the very he last was, yeah. moment he's still speaking he's he's telling uh, the disciples uh, you know to behold his That's mother and, and and woman behold your son yeah, and true. he's saying uh, you know forgive them they do not know what they do yes. and into your hands i can com- i command my spirit yeah. and so how would it, when then would the, would, would the, soul, would, would the soul have come out? Would yeah. it have come out in the very end of the suffering? Um, well, that's when the Christians believe that the soul came out anyway. Yeah. And that was called his death, right? Yeah. So, that,
1: so that's basically the same thing, is It's it? the same it? thing, yeah. right?
0: Um, except that he's saying nobody didn't die. Uh, but that's kind of what the Christians are saying. They're saying he, he came
1: back to life as well. That he did yeah.
0: die, but it wasn't real death because Jesus came back from death. Okay. Uh, he conquered death, right? So
1: that—that's interesting theory coming interesting from theory. from a Muslim that they kind of basically came up with a theory that was exactly like the Christian version of events, but they're not thinking of it in that way. But this idea of the soul having that ability to to leave and to go back in is, you know, it's related to what we were talking about previously with the transmigration of the soul. So it's an interesting line of thought, but I, I don't. I mean, obviously, it's not the full explanation because it no, doesn't it's quite not fit. The
0: full explanation and then there is the 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 last explanation which we spoke about um, in the goal of the wise and it is the idea that the crucifixion took place in the following manner and that is that Jesus if he is a prophet, or he is the messiah at some point he falls on his knees and he's calling upon god and he's asking god god please remove this cup from me yeah and we know that jesus every time before that he ever asked for something from god it was accepted when he asked god to stop the storms when he asked God to turn water into wine, when he asked God to raise Lazarus, every time God accepted the prayers and the requests of Jesus Christ. Yes, he did. Not one time does he ever refuse to do what Jesus asks him to do. And so why then would God forsake Jesus or not accept his prayers at this very important moment where his beloved prophet, beloved messenger, beloved Jesus, beloved Messiah is afraid, uh, not wanting this to take place and is calling upon his father to save him. Well, Muslims would say, of course God accepted His prayer. It is the only logical thing that happened. And you have verses in the Bible where Jesus states very clearly that whoever wants to follow me has to carry their cross on their back. Right? Yes. And so... Jesus makes it kind of this this requirement and and in the islamic narrations you have a certain narration whereby Jesus is with his disciples at the last supper and Jesus is telling them that this horrible thing is going to take place where he's going to be crucified And then he asks his companions, which of you would be willing to bear the cross in my place and receive the same rank as me? And so now a picture begins to emerge between him saying, whoever wants to follow me has to, you know, carry the cross. And him asking God to remove the cup from him. Yeah. And him sitting at the Last Supper and offering a chance to the disciples that one of them ransom themselves, sacrifice themselves for Jesus Christ.
1: Yeah. I mean, these are all fitting together. It's true. It's true. I mean, the what happens where he prays at the Garden of Gethsemane is a is this outlier in the whole story because he's asking for it to be removed from him. Uh, and then it's it's not referenced again in the rest of the story. But if, if if you have these narrations where he's he's actually talking about who will who would be the one, who would switch with me, who would who would take my place and then be at my rank, then that certainly fits with this narrative that's in the Gospels that yeah, he was praying for. Yeah, the picture
0: only becomes clear when you start putting all of it together. Yeah. So then, so what happens? So he's praying.
1: Yeah.
0: Before he's praying, yeah. obviously he had offered, he'd sat at the Last Supper. So the Last yes. Supper is before yes. the prayer. Yeah.
1: Then
0: so the, the fact this. that he's still praying that it be removed means that nobody accepted his offer at the Last Supper. And except for one person who said that he would do it which was Peter, he says, I would follow you even until death. Yes. But Jesus says, you can't do it, actually. I looked into your heart. I just saw that you're going to deny me three, three times. times, right? Yeah. So here's Jesus now, Last Supper, telling his disciples, which one of you guys would take my place and be in my same rank? I told you guys before that whoever's to follow me has to carry their cross on their back, right, and be prepared for death Right? And be, be be willing to sacrifice themselves yeah. for me. Yeah. Because that's where I'm going. I'm going to the cross. Whoever wants to follow me has to truly follow me, has to be prepared to sacrifice themselves for me. Sits at the Last Supper with his disciples, tells them who would be willing to sacrifice themselves for me. Peter says, me, I will. I'll follow you even until death. Jesus looks at him and he says, I'm sorry, but before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times.
1: Wow. So this conversation starts to make sense. Now right? it's
0: starting to all make sense, yeah. right? The, the the it's becoming clear for you. Then then what takes place? Then he goes. His disciples are sleeping instead of guarding them, yeah. guarding him. He's praying. He's asking God. He's getting more nervous. God, please make it be that somebody takes my place. Yeah. That this is removed from me. And God accepts that that be the case
1: there's even um something in the gospel of luke where it says that an, an angel comes while he's praying and like strengthens him reinforces him which is very interesting
0: it is very interesting because the reinforcement and the strengthening and the angel that came down that is the angel whom ransomed himself for Jesus and took his place. So the idea is that Jesus, he had these visible disciples and he had these invisible disciples yes. that were following him.
1: Yes, yes, yes. We the know visible
0: that. disciples are, you know, Simon Peter and, and, and James and John and the rest of the disciples. The invisible disciples are the angels and the prophets and the messengers. Yes. Right? Yeah. Like Moses and Moses Elijah. Moses and
1: Elijah, yes, who from are the Transfiguration. Accompanying,
0: accompanying Jesus. Yes. And so the idea is that none of the ones from the living world, from the, from the visible disciples or the disciples in the apparent, um, were willing to and were strong enough to sacrifice themselves for Jesus. But who ends up sacrificing himself for Jesus ends up being uh, one of the angels And one of his disciples from the prophets and the messengers, because Jesus had told his companions on many occasions that the prophets and messengers that lived before you, they had wished to see this day, meaning his presence, and wished to hear the things that you guys are hearing. So their souls naturally were accompanying Jesus. And this is already proven in the New Testament as we stated. So one of them sacrifices himself by going into the body of Jesus Christ when, well, we have to look into the Gnostic Gospels. And when we look into the Gnostic Gospels, the Gospels that didn't make it into the Bible in order to uh, kind of complete the picture, we find that there, the, the idea of jesus not being crucified is not an islamic idea that originated with the prophet muhammad but it was actually an idea that was held by christians and existed in their writings hundreds of years before muhammad was ever sent
1: that was a very very shocking bombshell almost if uh, when i when i learned that this concept actually originated in christianity because it seems like it's one of those huge dividers between Christianity and Islam, and that it's something that originated in Islam. But it actually it actually, actually didn't. It actually didn't. But that was really shocking to me.
0: So what are, what did the Gnostic Gospels to state? So one of them states that Jesus, after making this prayer, continues, he's arrested and he's tortured and he's made to carry his cross until a switch takes place. And the switch takes place at the moment that a man by the name of Simon approaches Jesus and helps carry his cross. Why don't you tell us a little bit about this event that is existing uh, and emphasized in the Gnostic Gospels, but also is present in the New Testament.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's present in the New Testament. It says that Jesus was carrying his cross, and then they they came across a certain man named Simon of Cyrene, and he was made to carry the cross for Jesus, and he picks up the cross and carries it for him. And the same story is present in some of the Gnostic Gospels, from the, the, the Nag Hammadi Gospels, the um, that were discovered just, you know, uh, like a little bit in the past century uh, in, in Nag Hammadi in Egypt. Um, these Gospels talk about Jesus explaining how it happened. It's from the perspective of Jesus. He said, uh, one of them is called the Second Treaties of Great Seth, and he's talking about how it, it was another one who it was. Me who was struck with the reed, but another one who bore the crown of thorns. It was that my kinsfolk could not humiliate me. Basically what's written in the Quran, that they were not able to humiliate me. It was another one, Simon. And he, and this name Simon is mentioned again by name in that particular text. So it makes it seem that Simon of Cyrene is actually the one who... Ended up wearing the the crown of thorns, so there was this switch that took place. Took so place. These and
0: what did Simon do? He, bore the, he bore the cross of Christ, yeah, where the disciples were unable to, because Jesus had said, "Whoever wants to follow me, be prepared to carry the cross." And the only one who bore the cross yeah. in the place of Jesus was Simon.
1: Yeah, it's so true. It was there was nobody else, and and it was saying that Simon they were looking for somebody. Simon bears
0: the cross of Christ.
1: Yes, yeah, he he did. And his name is mentioned in the in the Gospels in the Bible, and then it's the exact same name that's mentioned in these Gnostic texts. Exactly, yeah.
0: And it's referring to him.
1: It's referring to him exactly. And
0: so the idea is that the switch took place at that moment. Okay. And oddly enough, God speaks to us through all things, and and when you it's very interesting because when you look into the the uh if you watch the movie the passion of the christ and and you look at that very scene the scene where simon bears the cross of christ and helps them you'll find simon kind of gives this mysterious look to jesus and uh, jesus looks back and kind of takes this uh deep breath uh as if it's his final breath yeah and and there's a strange reaction from from simon as well as if a spirit enters into him and so uh, this switch takes place at this moment, um, and it is that angel now, that messenger that had had come down from the Father in acceptance of, and, you know, to ransom himself uh, in the place of Jesus, and, you know, because God had now accepted the uh, request of Jesus. That goes on and continues and is crucified. Mm-hmm. And there's several other Gnostic scriptures that mention that Jesus uh, looked forward he watched as it happened yeah, he and he continued to shift transmigrate from body to body to body and he even says in one of the scriptures that uh, anybody that he would find uh, there was already a soul inhabiting it yeah. inside he would he push, could
1: push, push it out, out. That would, that's he would, so interesting
0: so he would he would basically like kill them and use their body uh, in order to transfer from from one person uh, to another until he eventually goes into the body of the gardener and meets Mary three days later and meets the rest of the uh, disciples. And then the story
1: continues, which we have in the Gospels. So, I mean, without this explanation, so much of, of what happens in the crucifixion, leading up to the crucifixion, in the crucifixion and after, just doesn't make sense. But when you have this explanation that this is what happened then it all makes sense.
0: It all makes sense because now the Quran is truthful and Jesus didn't suffer and Mm -hmm. Jesus' prayers were accepted by God as he prayed in the New Testament. And so that also is true. And it makes sense now because there is a righteous soul uh, that is in the body of Jesus in those final hours who's speaking these words. And it makes sense now that he's looking at Mary and instead of calling Mary his mother, he calls her woman,
1: Yeah, all right, which is also yes, one of those odd true. things. Why
0: did Jesus change his tone with yes. Mary uh, at that final hour? And uh, the individual then who... who mm, basically took the place of Jesus and ended up in the same rank as Jesus is somebody who would come in the end times and uh, do those things that was promised in Isaiah that the suffering servant do. And that righteous servant or that suffering servant is the same righteous servant that met Moses uh, and taught him the lesson in Surah Tekeh by the command of of God, and He is also the Qa'im or the riser from the family of Muhammad.
1: It's so beautiful to see how all of these scriptures make sense. And it's so beautiful that you have brought forth the true explanation. You know, Isaiah 53, it's one of those scriptures that you just mentioned it this, this term, righteous servant, it does pop up again. And you just explained that it, that it is the righteous servant, that he was the one who bore the iniquities, that this concept, uh, the, the, the Christian concept of what happened is not incorrect. They did see Jesus' body. It is true that Jesus' body was on the cross and that there was this sacrifice and it did take place and it was a righteous soul that chose to sacrifice on behalf of the believers. For, for the for the forgiveness of their sins. All of this is true. It's just not how we, we were taught.
0: And it also makes sense now why uh, just as this soul came in the time of Jesus to help him in his time of need, why Jesus would come back in the time of the Mahdi in <sighs> yes, order to, help, to him help him in his time of need. Oh my
1: gosh, yes. That does make sense because there's this connection between them. There is. They're tied. They're linked.
0: And there's a, a verse from from one of the duas of the Ahmadiyya Muslims where uh, they're making dua that God make the lookalike of Jesus in. They come from the progeny or the descendants of. Uh, Ali ibn Abi Talib and the descendants of Muhammad and his family. Uh, because the, the this du'a in itself why is it significant because it proves that uh, Jesus was ransomed by a righteous soul or else uh, Muhammad and his family wouldn't have made du'a that God make him return as one of their uh, descendants. Anyway, thank you so much, Tiffany, for for this uh, conversation. I hope it wasn't uh, too long for our viewers. And God bless you and thank you uh, for everything.
1: Thank you so much. I I really appreciate it and I learned so much today. Thank you, I can't wait to continue learning. Wow, Um, there are no words to describe the beauty of what we have learned today. Uh, This story, the story of Jesus and his mission and his, his, his duty and ultimately the sacrifice of the crucifixion is one of those stories that's extremely important to me personally and it's extremely dear to my heart. And the more I read these scriptures, and I, and I read them in light of what I have learned from Abu Sadiq from Hindu Peace, I find more and more evidence that this is the truth. And it's just so beautiful to see how, how the three Abrahamic religions are actually part of the same story. They're really saying the same thing. Uh, one chapter in the Bible that's extremely dear to my heart and is extremely beautiful to me is Isaiah 53, which we mentioned in the episode. And if you look at Isaiah 53 in light of what we know, you will only find more evidence that this is the truth. It's one of those chapters that, that's very controversial, and the Christians think it means something, and the Jews think it means something. Um, but when you look at it and you read it, you find that the truth is actually what the Kaim of the family of Muhammad has taught. And one beautiful aspect of Isaiah 53 is where God says, because of the sacrifice of the righteous servant, I will give him a place among the great. And that's so amazing, because that is exactly what is said in the hadith about the one who volunteered. Uh, Jesus was saying, who will join me at my rank, who will sacrifice for me and join me at my rank, and the one who volunteered is the righteous servant. And he is the one who, who was given that rank and who, who joined Jesus at that rank and was given a place among the great for his sacrifice. And just thinking about the story of, of God's love for humanity and the love of the prophets and the messengers for humanity is just so beautiful. I hope that you, uh, that you learned as much from today's episode as I did and that you will continue on this journey learning with us. I'll see you next time.